Hello, it is January 5th, 2022. That's wild, isn't it? Here we are just chugging along right into 2022 when it was just 2021. Boom! Two days ago. Rest in peace, John Madden. Still to this day, obviously an absolute living legend. Today, great conversation. We got Rick Strad, first time on from the Tampa Bay Times, talking about all things happening with the Buccaneers and Antonio Brown. We got Chuck Pagano, stops by for the annual weekly, not annual weekly, Coach us up, Chuck segment. It was great. Dove in some real, real deep stuff and had good conversation. And the Jet, Jet Passon. Jeff Passon, senior MLB insider for ESPN, tells us what's happening with baseball. The boys are on fire today. AJ Hawk, obviously, is toxic as ever. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you don't, don't tell anybody. If you do, please be a friend, tell a friend. Let's get to it. It's a beautiful day. We can't thank you enough. I hope you're having a fantastic time wherever the hell you may be. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash The Pat McAfee Show. The fact that you allow us to be a part of your day-to-day, we are eternally grateful for. All the boys are here at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. Two men with great haircuts from Back Porch Barbers. Look at that mullet looking unbelievable. Ty, your head is looking fantastic. That tiny little head, Mm -hmm. which has 15 calyx. JC the back porch barber. <laughs> you boys look great. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Thank you too. Look at the cut. You yeah. got it. Oh, 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 when you get a new haircut, it's hard not to be like, Gain 15 pounds, you get your hair cut there, look like you're skinny again. Hey, how you doing? Keep it moving. How's your family? How's your family? How's your family? Shout out to the back porch, Barber. We appreciate Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, JC. Coolest looking dude of all yeah. time. Uh-huh. Yep. Black Barnum. cowboy boots, black pants, mm-hmm. maestro shirt, slit at the top a little mm-hmm. bit, yep. flowing mm-hmm. hair, tats all over him. Coolest dude of all time. Great beard. Oh, yeah, I forgot about his fucking uh-huh. luscious oh, beard. Yeah. He's uh-huh. going, there's a male model cutting her hair. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's, he's good. He's, he's really great good. Oh, Foxy, good haircut. Foxy. Look at that. Oh. Oh. And by the way, that is why Gumpy's beard always looks incredible. That's right. Fresh. Uh-huh. Yes. It is not Velcroed on. I hate that I see that on the internet. Well, and also, <laughs> last hockey talk, where, by the way, 8 p.m. Eastern time mm-hmm. at youtube.com you. forward slash that's hockey talk. Uh, Nick Gumpy Rupper, Mike Rupp, who. If you have never heard of this man, because you probably didn't know anything about hockey or ever heard of hockey, <laughs> yeah, right. even if you did know hockey, might not have heard of this guy. Stanley Cup champion, obviously, former Pittsburgh Penguin. He is an absolute stud. Now, he didn't just play for the Pens. He played for the Rangers, played for the Devils, played around a little bit. But we we know him because he played for the greatest organization yeah. in all of sports, right. the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, well, I don't know about that. Don't even. Bruins yeah. are back. My this friend. is way too early. We're only three minutes into this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am stink. not getting into hockey talk right all now. All right, all right. I'm just saying. No, no. the Bruins fucking stink, dude. Bru- and don't even no. bring your goddamn stats. Don't even do it. Last night. Red Wings won last night, all right? Dallas Stars stink. Chicago Blackhawks last night, but we don't stink. Hey, we got Bruce on the phones today at 18334 McAfee. Hey, hate to break to you. The Rangers, Islanders, the Devils, everybody in the tri-state area fucking space. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bro door ain't walking through that door, pal. Ever, pal. We got the next Tommy Barrasso in goal for us for the Pittsburgh Panthers. All right. But anyways, that's Hockey Talk uh-huh. tonight, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern time. Rupper is, he's he's one of us somehow. And he happens yeah. to be six foot. Five. And he was a good basically. Six, uh-huh. nine with skates. Yeah, he yeah. was a fighter. <laughs> yeah. He's from Ohio, so you know everything about him. Okay, and I feel 
honored by the fact that this platform has presented Yinzers in a way, I think, that a lot more people have uh, kind of experienced. But also, after experiencing AJ, I think everybody, every single day for two hours a day, and, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've been around a lot of Ohio people. My Ohio, you, if you hear somebody's from Ohio, you know exactly, like, no, yeah, oh, yeah. especially if it's a six foot uh-huh. five, six five goon hockey player. Who's got this big bald ass fucking head? Yeah. yeah. Hilarious dude. Gonna mm-hmm. be very humble. Not scared to talk shit. No. Great storyteller. Yeah, a lot oh. of stories. I feel like that is mm-hmm. as kind of is. So shout out to that's hockey talk tonight. Shout, shout out. out. See shout you there. Out. Pens are playing tonight. We'll do a little watch along for the Penguins game. It's on TV. They might lose. There's a Penguins game lose. on television. They're playing tonight. the St. Louis Blues on TNT. Hey, you oh, remember the when the NHL got to deal with like two different media yeah. companies? Like, oh, yeah. oh, this is going to change everything. And then there's less games on TV somehow. Yeah. NBC Sports had an entire thing yeah. like, hey, you're going to play. That we're going to at least have some games on. It's on a channel obscure that nobody really watches, but you'll travel here at least. There's a destination. Hockey goes to ESPN and Turner. No fucking games Less on Less games than ever. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? I thought Sidney Crosby. contracts to finish up. It, it's their back. They're back about? on primetime Wednesday nights. All right. Oh, well, they had to get rid of Adam Cole and his friends. That's uh, right. He's come back. Oh, so Adam Cole is the reason I haven't what been able to watch the fucking Pittsburgh Penguins. Son of a, what a scumbag. That guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, so, I mean, I, we don't need to get into it. Stinks. No, 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 no. Red Wings stink. Whoa, whoa. Dallas Stars stink. Blackhawks stink. Yeah. And also, no, no, no. the Kraken stink. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. no, no. no there's a fan from the Kraken that saved a coach's life I saw earlier. Yeah, right? yeah. that's right. There's a fan sitting behind the bench of the Edmonton squad, I think. Oilers? The Coilers? I thought it was crap. Vancouver. One of the Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. No, Coovers. What? That's Vancouver, Vancouver people. Van, no, no, no. The team's name is Vancouver Coovers. Oh, okay. The Coovers? The Coovers. Okay. They were visiting the Kraken, and somebody who was sitting right behind the bench, a uh, lady, uh, holds up a sign or a phone. I, she, she held up her phone that said to the coach, like, hey, hey, that thing on your neck needs to be checked out. Jesus. Yeah. Stat, she basically said. You want to get that looked at. Hey, that thing is problematic. Goes, cancerous. Jesus. Removes it. Doctor said if he would have had it on his uh, for another couple years or whatever, would have been probably. De- so there was this big, long feel-good story. Yeah, it's great. Anyways, that lady's the best thing about the crack, and that team fucking stays. I'm a Mario Lemieux Pens fan, okay? Fucking 91-92, best two years of my life. Tony. You flip-flop. Too much for That's Hockey Talk. All right, we have some standards around That's Hockey Talk. Anyways. All those teams, other than the Penguins, stink, but not nearly as bad as Adam Cole does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Agreed. So Adam Cole's gone. Now we get Pens on TV tonight. Is that right? Bingo. Except uh, Casey DeSmith, the backup goalie, starting because Jari oh. had COVID. He's oh, oh you you know Casey! Say. He, he gave up six goals in a win the other day. He gave up six goals in a win the other day. Don't worry. We had two different guys score hat tricks in the same fucking game. Don't you worry about the Penguins. We ain't worried about Adam, baby. Casey, Casey's going to figure out how to see a fucking We ain't worried about that. it. You guys aren't even an original six hockey team. You guys oh, can take your hockey time shit. and get the hell out of here. Because you weren't even here when the real hockey players were skating around with that hell. Yeah, hell yeah. Right. Just like the United States took the game of hockey from Canada, made it better, mm-hmm. made it a league, made it profitable. Sure. Okay, that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins did to your original six fucking nah. slapdicks. Nah. Excuse me. Here's your game. We're going to make it better. We're going to have the three greatest players of all time. Shout out to Wayno, number four. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. you've done pretty good. But if you talk about Tommy Barrasso, Mary Lemieux, <laughs> Sidney Crosby. Bobby Orr. Stoner's part of the Vegas Golden Knights. Steve Stoner plays once a month. Oh! <laughs> He's fucking banged up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 
say. The guys the, got grit. The yeah. original six has never won a cup since other teams have joined the league. Yeah, we won a cup last decade. All right, this is like back in the day whenever some of those basic ass shows that I see run back, they were getting 15 million people to watch tonight. Well, there's four shows on. Yeah. Okay, there was only four opportunities to escape your life, and it was one of those shows. Carson. Hey, that show's whoa, whoa, whoa. actually hey, Tony. heat, Come dude. You I didn't know any other shows. Tony. That's all I only one I the mic, you, Tone, do not do what you nice just Nice job, did. Drew Carey. Cleveland stinks. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whose line is it anyways? Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, he... <laughs> show is show awesome. would have been fine without Drew, okay? Jeez, as long as we big talking about Drew Carey. Drew Carey came after yeah. the era I'm speaking of, but there was no reason to do that Shrap to Drew Carey. Anyways, Jesus. that's that tone, Diggs. There are some doing? things we got to talk about. All right. And I didn't expect to talk about hockey for the first nine minutes of this show, but <laughs> it's good hockey talk. I mean, it is good hockey talk. Not as good as it'd be tonight, uh-huh. eight o'clock. All right. right. YouTube.com forward slash that's hockey talk. Comment section, by the way, always oh, yeah. a lot. Uh-huh. It's the only show that I get to be in the comments and kind of just let it eat. Yeah. yeah, yeah mess around. Right. Unless you get put in the penalty box. Well, that's what happens when you say things yeah, stupid and the guy has a wrench next to his fucking name. Right. All right, I got a wrench next to my name. So you say something in there that's dumb, like, Red Wings are good at hockey. It's like, well, well fucking out. Yeah, you're out. seconds. See you, dude. Yeah, you're dumb. Yeah, I don't have a 30-pound octopus. I'd be throwing it right on your desk right now. Well, which is even more so. dude. It's messed up. <laughs> you can't swim. 30 pounds. Yeah, you think you could pick up a 30-pounder right now? This guy got a little heat warmer for his fingers. That's what Red Wings fans do. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. Anyways, there is business to attend to in the men's league of football. I've been saying this for a long time, okay? Wise beyond my years, people would say whenever I would say it because I would lose awards so often because the people that were voting for said awards did not like me as a person. Believe it or not, I was not well-liked by a lot of people that were in positions of power. I know that sounds alarming or crazy, and I know my professional and business life has, you know, kind of showcased that perfectly basically (laughs) the people that are always in the position above me never that's a broad brush so to state that everybody obviously not but i'd say 80 percent of them throughout my life did were not big fans of mine now there has been people that i've kept close to and i appreciate it but when i would hear people tell stories about how their teachers had made their lives so much better i'm like fucking where not for me (laughs) these people hated me i was a a busy kid obviously talked a lot very stubborn I am a Taurus. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's right. I am. I am a. I, Don't go there. We're not getting into the no. horoscope because yesterday we read the horoscope for me for the first time. And it was basically like gloom and doom. Don't go to sleep tonight. You won't wake up. Yeah, it's, it's like, holy shit. I thought horoscopes are supposed to make you feel better. Now, yesterday's made me feel terrible about myself. I'll never do it. But my entire life, I've kind of been the exact same way. And coming from where we come from, there's not a lot of people that, you know, really get out of there you you kind of stay there you work there you do your thing here is and it kind of reminds me of that steve jobs quote where it's like as you grow older it's right outside of my office as you grow older you're kind of told how life is this is what you do here's the rules don't bounce around too much you do that and then in the steve jobs quote it basically says once you learn that the people who are building this life that is around you are no smarter than you it kind of changes everything and i i honestly believe that like that's one of the most profound statements now it was said by a guy who's a bad dad sure <laughs> bad yes. dad sure. but that, that certainly changed the world he was good the second time around though well it's not a quote about being a father it's not about being a father it's about being in business and (laughs) by the way Steve Jobs when I talk about him I ain't talking about what he's doing at home I'm talking about what he's doing at work whenever he's telling other people to do these really cool things that change the world completely oh yeah 
create our entire business, basically. Yeah. But that's real. You know, I feel like a lot of people in positions of power, especially whenever they had to deal with people like me, they had to teach me how I'm supposed to be. Hey, this is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. They want to get me on medicine. Let's get this guy on medicine. Let's do this. And I'm not against medicine for anything. But my mom was a very strong force next to me saying, no, no, no. Like, hey, you're okay being the person you are. Because she saw the amount of work that I would put in in my sports and in school. If I, my grades never really fell that much. So I was like, what are they even mad about here? This dude is good at sports. He's good at school. They don't like him because he's different than everybody else. He's louder than everybody else. Else, it might make their job tougher than everybody else. And my mom, since I'm a kid, has a natural hatred towards mm-hmm. people in power as well. So, I mean, it is kind of, I don't want to say in my genetics, but it is in my genetics and I experience it my entire life. So, people that are in that position of power or authority have never really got along with me. So, as I lost awards that were being voted on by these people, and I don't want to say as a teenager I experienced this, but as a teenager I came to the realization oh, there's no chance I'm going to win that because the people that are voting for that fucking hate me. And they, we don't hate you. We're, we're looking out for the best interest. It's like, well, you hate me. I know you do. I'm old enough, mature enough. I've had enough interactions with you. You do not like me. My senior year of high school, I had offers for three different sports. Nobody in our high school has ever gotten that. I didn't even win male athlete of the year because the teachers voted on it. So whenever I was asked to come to this uh, award show, you know, my parents were asked to come. My parents didn't like many people at that school either or whatever. I go sit there and they do the entire male athlete of the year thing. And somebody else, guy I liked, by the way, I loved Mike McKee, the kid that won it. He was a great baller. I used to travel around to basketball games cheering on Mike McKee because how much I liked him. But I knew, like, I was pretty much going to get fucked. So at that moment, I think, is when I realized, like, oh, awards are kind of bullshit. You know, you have to start thinking about who's the one doing the voting. Then I go my senior year, Ray Guy award, right? Ray Guy Award, and out of the three people that were selected, I should have won. We were not supposed to be the three that were selected, though. So I don't want to say that I should have won the Ray Guy Award. There was actually punters that weren't finalists that probably should have won. But out of the three people that were there, I should have won. Now, immediately upon meeting Ray the night before the award was given out, he actually told one of the other finalists about how he's best friends, basically, with his kicking coach and everything like that. We're having a beer. I'm like, oh. Oh, here we go again. So I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna lose this thing again. And out of, once again, out of the three that were there, I should have won. I shouldn't have won out of the entire. We go sit down there. My dad takes off work. By the way, didn't love that. Mom takes off work. I have to rent a suit to go down to this thing. Go all the way down there. Ray Guy is the person that exemplifies with the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, he's talking about me. Actually, boom, we lose. Now we have to sit there for three hours at this award show in these fucking clown suits sitting there while Tim Tebow and Bobby Biden and all these people (laughs) are just getting these fucking things. It was one of the worst nights of my life. But that's a million even more. It's like, okay, so these awards that are being voted on by people, you have to think okay, who is deciding that this is their champion? Who is deciding it? And do you give a fuck? about those people. So I've always been pretty jaded. Associated Press All-Pro team, they know nothing about punting and kicking. They can act like they know football. They do act like they know uh, football. They ask other people who's the best, but who really knows who's the best unless you watch all the film. So when I wasn't voted All-Pro a couple of times, I didn't even get upset where I felt like my friends, my teammates, and other people were because I don't give a fuck about the opinion on punting by the people that were voting for that because they don't know shit about punning, which leads me to this guy named Pornhub Arkush. <laughs> That's where it is. Okay. We knew this was going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally said to Aaron one week after the entire, uh-huh. 
Ba-boom! Mm-hmm. Immunized son of a bitch thing came yeah. out. Boy. Okay, boom! After it all blew up. Literally said there, and you know you're never going to win the MVP again because at a much smaller, different, okay, different level than Aaron, I had been fucked out of awards by people that are voting that don't like me for what I'm doing. I had seen the reaction to the Aaron Rodgers news and the people that were going after him felt, I didn't know who was voting for the MVP, but I felt like, oh, this feels like this is the class of people Mm -hmm. that are going to be voting for the MVP. So my natural question to Aaron Rodgers was, hey, you know, you got no chance of winning this thing ever again. He laughed, we laughed, and everybody thought it was a joke. He's going to win the MVP. He kind of forced their hand with how he has played since getting uh, Uncle COVID Mm -hmm. and having his broken toe. He has been on an absolute tear. That team has been unbelievable. Lazard, Devontae, you name it. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, that offensive line that has just kind of been pieced together. The defense, he's been on an absolute tear. They're kind of forcing his hand. But Pornhub told us yesterday on the air, a man from Chicago Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Crystal Lake, Illinois. Sorry, Zeke. Not from Chiton. A diehard Bears fan who has previous agendas against Aaron Rodgers in tweets that he's put out before even the immunized situation has Mm -hmm. happened. This dude that we have never heard of before or any of us give a single fuck about has an MVP vote, which immediately leads me back to say... We can't empower these awards that are voted on by people we don't give a fuck about because if they're voted on by people we don't give a fuck about, why do their opinions even matter? You would hope that the sum of the 50 would be able to decide who it is, but with personal agendas that you can't help but have, you can't help but have, Hub has one, Hoob has one, Arkush has one here. Uh, he <laughs> says he don't think he can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the MVP. This is the number one seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Home field advantage. All the way through the playoffs. This dude's a fan of a team that fucking stinks. That is not in the playoffs. That is mm-hmm. actually moving out of the city that they're in. Yep. Right. That's where he covers. There's an entire situation Triple. popping off in Chicago every single week about this orderly bullshit happening behind the scenes. This guy says Aaron Rodgers, the man that saved how many businesses in Northern California during the entire mm-hmm. thing. A lot. This man who has been nothing but praised by his teammates and his coaches throughout the entire thing. This guy, he's the biggest jerk and has punished everybody. He didn't lie to anybody but your ass, Hub, whenever he said immunizing. You might have been misled. And by the way, Hub, I don't I hate to break this to you. Aaron Rodgers would run circles around you if you were to get into an intellect battle, you dumb ass. So I understand that everybody's mad about this. I'm a little frustrated about it, but it takes me all the way back to my senior year of high school. Whenever you got bums voting on things that are supposed to matter, mm-hmm. it's hard to really care or have any emotion. I would assume Aaron is thinking the same exact thing. MVPs are a part of your legacy. MVPs are a part of how you'll be judged in history. MVPs are something that the media has put up on a pedestal to be a decider on who's the best, who isn't the best. And there's a lot of great football players that have won them. I have a lot of respect for MVPs and winning it. But once again, we are reminded quickly of who gives a fuck about this guy and what his opinion is. Well, and like with the Rodgers MVP, you said they forced his hand. We kind of joke, like if it was close between Rodgers and Brady, like they'll just give it to Brady because of all this. To actually hear someone with a vote say like... Publicly. Yeah, publicly. He said others are thinking it as well. Well, of course, and we predicted this to happen, but inside voices going outside should not be something because now now the entire panel is questioned, Mm -hmm. which we have to... 
You well, actually have to, especially and, when it's somebody coming from Chicago. Yeah. Like, and right after that happened, too, most of the, the like, or a lot of people that have votes, you know, quote tweeted and were like, oh, we would never do this. Like, what's this the qualifications? Is, uh, you know, like they, they went out of their way to say, like, hey, this isn't going to happen. That but, should be a list that is known, right? Who's voting? Did it we is, know? That, you can find it. I'll pull it up. Yeah, we should cover that more often because Hub, I didn't even know this guy fucking existed. Nope. He's in a city two hours away from here. I guess he's a notable name. But also, <laughs> this lends into another thing. Like Hall of Fame voting. Mm -hmm. Think about this shit that's happening in there. The people that have personal agendas and think they're big. This dude thinks he's bigger than the MVP. Mm -hmm. This guy, I have been empowered with a vote. My vote matters. And this guy, I'm going to publicly say, is not good enough for an award that I have to vote for. Shut the fuck up, dude. This guy, I mean, why does this guy matter at all? Who empowers that? Who picks that? Is it the NFL? Is it just the media? Because if it's not the NFL, the NFL should put together their own thing and start voting yes. for their own shit at this point. And, and like on the gambling side of it now, like Aaron's minus 400 to win the MVP because he should win the MVP. But I hear stuff like that come out. I'm like, maybe I'll take a flyer on Tom at plus 1,000 or whatever it is. Or maybe Jonathan Taylor, who he <laughs> literally mentioned in the first yeah. In his sentence, he was like, there's other guys, Jonathan Taylor and Tom Brady and everything like that. It's like, come on, dude, get the, why would you say that publicly? Mm -hmm. But we knew that was happening privately immediately upon the case, but I think they're going to be forced into doing this, but who knows what the media will do literally anytime, anyplace. Well, and that is why it's tough too, because you talk about like legacy and stuff like that. Like it's easy to, you know, like these guys do care about this shit, you know, like when you've given your entire life pretty much to like play in this game and you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be like one of the, you know, four five names of the best quarterback you know of all time like all these guys like this stuff does matter and it's crazy that you know really like they have no input or i mean it doesn't matter what you do like these if a lot of these guys view you as an asshole off the field or they don't agree with stuff that you've done it's just like all right well i'm not gonna vote for that guy and they can change the trajectory trajectory of like how people are remembering careers you know? yes yeah. and legacies and everything like right. that and i'm <clears throat> I was at such a different level. It was so much smaller than any of this stuff. But it is a real thing that happens almost everywhere. You know, people get all excited about whenever judges decide for them to win something or be something. It's like, how do we know that these... Who, with what we're learning about everybody every single day... Like, people are going to look into the hub. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming something that hub uh -huh. has not done necessarily 100% by the book is going to... And it's like, oh, should this jerk-off have a vote on who's the best player in the NFL and then go on for that award to be used either for him or against him to get into Hall of Fame, to get enshrined forever in the history of the biggest league of all time? Oh, well, who are the Hall of Fame voters? Is it the same fucking people? Yeah. How is this even... Why do we care then about any of these awards? We need to stop acting like they matter if they're being voted on by people that don't matter. And what this jagoff doesn't realize is him coming out and saying this. If people were thinking about not voting for Aaron because of this reason, I think they're now going to vote Aaron. They vote have to. For Aaron. They have to. And yeah. by the way, the people that hated Aaron, I've seen it on my notifications. People that weren't even, you know, were very against Aaron, I think, yeah. you know, over they, the last. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They came out and were like, ah. You can't say this publicly, and this can't be how you go about doing this. Yeah. This isn't the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Okay, if it was the Walter Payton Man of the Year, I guess you could do that whole thing. Uh -huh. But your personal feelings against how he handled something, and I guess people mentioned him saying, I own you to the crowd. Okay, so nobody that talks any shit is allowed 
to be an MVP in this dude's mind. We can go back for previous MVPs to see who he voted for and see if he's just a hypocritical fuck, which I would assume in a lot of cases of his life he is. Well, and I mean, like, it, it, th- this doesn't mean it's probably not just Aaron. Like, these guys hold grudges against a lot of people. You oh, know, it's like, yeah. it, I mean, you, you publicly say something like this. It's like, all right, well, okay, yeah, everything with, like, the vaccination status is super hot right now and everyone wants to talk about it. But, like, how many grudges has this guy held in the past against other people who have pissed him off? Or, yeah. Mean, yeah, other know, players like, that were either one yeah, or two yeah. votes away from, does he have a Pro Bowl vote? Is right. he part of Pro mm-hmm. Bowl vote as well? Because that's media, fans, coaches, everybody but refs, I think. I think refs should also have a vote. By the way, they're on the field. That should be worth just as much as the players, the coaches. And the media should be minimized. Less of a percentage. Mm-hmm. That's what I think, mm-hmm. personally. But the media is very important, okay, to the league. I don't want it to sound like that. We have a lot of people we like, respect, and have nothing but admiration for in the media. But, man, there's a lot of people that think they're bigger than they are. Remember back to some of these press conferences where some of these people ask a question, then they didn't get the answer they wanted. So then they felt as if they could actually, at somebody else's press conference, they could actually be combative with the person. It's like, hey, your job is to ask a question. Very nice of you. You get a response. Now report on that. Yeah. It's kind of changed and transformed, mostly because of, like, what the internet's becoming and what content's becoming, probably what we're allowed to get away with doing and other people's PMTs allowed to get away with. They probably see in their, in their world, like, oh, welcome, they're allowed to do this. We can do a little bit of that. But you're, you're a representation of the NFL. You have a vote for the thing. You're being held to a higher standard, Hub. And let's, I mean, let's keep it real. Hi, my name's Hub. He's had to do that his whole life. He's probably a miserable person. Oh, yeah. You know, like, hi, hi, my name's Hub. Excuse me? Come in. Hub. Is that for Hubert? <laughs> Just Hub. Could be Hubert. I didn't think of that. Well, then he Probably should go Hubie by Hubert. Being... Well, he should be Hubie. Because yeah. we all saw the Halloween movie. Banger. <laughs> right. Five stars. Banger. Actually, he probably went by Hubie before that movie came out. And, and then, then he said, this movie's too good. I'm going to go by Hub. <laughs> so this means anything. Last year, Aaron won with 44 votes out of the 50. And Hub was, pro- Hub- Hubie yeah. was probably not. I know I'm in the minority here. But I love this move from Hubble. <laughs> it's just classic old school heel move. He's a Chicago guy through and through. He's trying to put the screws to the Packers in there one more time. And I don't love it for Aaron, but I just I, yeah, but I he love shouldn't it. have it like if he's going to be a pundit doing it, yeah. it should sure. be unbiased. Yeah, but he shouldn't exactly. have an actual vote. Yeah, right. You know, how do you get those votes? You got to apply for them. I think you do apply. You have to be a part of the uh, AP, like a bank associated. Who in here would be able to be stern but fair? I Let's could go Gumpy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stern, very stern, and very fair. Yeah, yeah, very, Absolutely. very fair. It'd be one vote for Tua. Tua Every offensive player no, of the year. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. Not a chance. Are these the same people that do the Hall of Fame? I need to talk uh, about Bill Polian's on it. Bill Polian's on what? On this list. For the... For, for voting, yes. It's a good list. Is this Ronnie not... Harrison. Hub is on it. Go ahead, put it up there. Is this not Sam from Guess Who? <laughs> All right, dude. Is he wearing glasses? Um, (laughs) Oh, so it's like the spot. That's pretty spot. So it's like if you're the best reporter for your team, you get the vote? Kind of, yeah. What a game. What a game. I love Guess Who. Oh, Tommy Kirk. Does he have a hat on? No. Not Dave. All right. Chuck Davis. John Clayton, obviously. Steve Cohen. Hey, Steve. 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 Uh, Charles Davis, Nate Davis, Tony Dunge. Oh, Boomer Esiason. 
Rich Cannon. He works hard, dude. He's he does. <laughs> Boomer works so hard. He does. I agree. I can't fathom how hard Boomer works. I, I just don't work. understand why he didn't return Nate Burleson's I love you guys when they were finally closing out their halftime for the last you know, the last Sunday. I don't know anything. Boomer's probably so focused on whatever he's got to do next. Boomer's got so many jobs, yeah, dude. Yeah, well, Bo- Boomer's a little too focused because he's also ruining yeah. a lot of stuff for some teams out yeah, there in is. the NFL. Oh, Boomer, that's because he works so hard. Boomer, yeah. Hey, Boomer works Forgot. so hard. Yeah, he's living in March already. Oh, Boomer's working so much harder working than everybody time. else, dude. Agreed. They working should give him the MVP. Oh, my God. He's such a hard worker, yeah, Boomer. Most valuable presser. We look at fucking Boomer and we're like, look at that work ethic on that guy. Yeah. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Oh, my God. That guy can move people, can he? That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's it's definitely about how many jobs you have and not yeah. how good those jobs are. <laughs> and, yeah. and do. You know what I mean? It's, it's definitely about that. That's what it's about. Boomer. Yeah, he broke the news. It's Washington Admirals. Fucking signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. It's yours. Jay Wright said, I'm going to wait till uh, February 2nd, but the morning show with Boomer and Gio. Boomer, once again, hardest fucking worker mm-hmm. that this media has ever seen, dude. Mm-hmm. Ruined like a year and a half buildup by Jason Wright. Jason Wright, yeah. <laughs> Overnight. It, hey, Jason Wright says, I know we put some zip ties on that banister that fell, mm-hmm. and now Jalen Hurts is calling for a little bit more action. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Jay also came out and said, everybody's been wondering where our team is going to be. We are not going to stick with just football team, actually. No, no. no. Right. Although we did love it, WFT, the football team, everything. We do need some sort of brand that our fans can latch on. He actually said on this show. And uh, he said we're going to be a part of the announcement. Yeah. I will not hold him hold that. But we will not hold that in. He did say that. No, and that might be why this happened. Perhaps. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. But he, he came out and said on February 2nd mm-hmm. that they will unveil. The brand new logo, the brand new brand. And uh, Boomer said, don't you worry about it. The new team name is the Admirals. Fucking signed, sealed, delivered. Don't uh, even worry about it, dude. Oh, this okay. morning he did that. Thank you, Boomer. We don't want to wait till February 2nd, Thank Boomer. You, Boomer. Thank you, Boomer. We've waited 13 months. You know, what's another month? I want to know right now. Well, Boomer said, I've been working harder than anybody to go find the answer. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Is that what he said about me, Ray? He said the deal, he said that he worked so hard. Mm-hmm. He works harder than you, yes. I believe so. That was the words. I he bet used. he does, dude. I take a nap every once in a while. It's fucking crazy. Well, he's got an MVP vote. That's right. That's how Artie works. That's yeah. right. Is that how you get it? Maybe we need to respect Hub a little bit more. True. What if Hubie, Arkush, is one of the hardest working guys in the history of Chicago? The only, the only Hubie I know is a mayor. Is Hub the mayor? No, the only no. Hubie I know is Halloween. That's right. He's the goddamn mayor of his town. Oh, this yeah, guy's of course not a mayor. He is. That movie Remember stunk. at the end with, oh, really? with this thing? Of he course. Oh, mayor. Of course. He was on. I've seen that whole movie. I mean, you don't have to carry the water for it anymore. That what? fucking stinks. Okay? Oh, Listen, oh, you can like Sandler and not like Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's a guy that has a work ethic. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, mean, Adam yes. Sandler has oh, yeah. worked. That guy pumped out 500 yeah. movies, and he's pumping out another 500. Yes. And guess what? Banger, 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 banger. What? Banger, 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 banger. Come on. No, oh, Sandy's man. a part of the banger run there. Don't you the callbacks in Hubie Halloween, unmatched. So Washington Admiral is a good name. I, I like it. I, I was a part of the, uh, if it is what Boomer, who works harder than everybody in the history of work. How's he work so hard? Because he's been doing it for New York 23 City. years, dude. Yep. City never City sleeps. Never well, sleeps. He's, he's pounding the streets, dude. Neither does Boomer. He doesn't sleep. No, yeah. No. Well, isn't it interesting? His son took a shot at us, too, on uh, Pro Football Talk. <laughs> Who, Brad Esiason? <laughs> Come on. That's Sims. Come uh, on. That's Sims. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're right. That, 
That the, tree. The white media tree up there at the top has uh-huh. had a little bit of uh, upset about the non-quarterback white getting into the game a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a shame, Boomer. But you're right. The Sims guy did take a shot at us. We've made up with him since, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't talk to him. He did send us back a, uh, right. hey, I mean, what I said about nobody listening to your show and you're a doofus and everything. I didn't yeah. mean it the way it came out yeah. or whatever. Right. Just joking around. But now he's on Football Night in America. Yeah, crushes yeah. it. Does well. He's doing good. But Boomer, the whole... I mean, that was an interesting reaction from Boomer. And I didn't hear the whole thing. I refused to listen to it because I had a lot of respect for Boomer. And obviously, Nick forced me. Hey, you should hear it. You should hear it. You should hear it. So now it changes everything, especially when I watch their kickoff show. And that show stinks. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I don't Except know how for hard. Well, Bill Carr could just basically read a book into a yeah. microphone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. He crushed on Monday Night Manning. Oh, yeah. Crushed on Monday Night Manning. Mm-hmm. Heart, Heart and steel. steel. Bill Carr. Bill Carr from Crafton, dude. Thank you, Coach Carr. Thank you, Coach Carr. I shouldn't hate Boomer. He's probably a good guy. Never met him. I don't know. He openly hates Nate Burleson on that show. Sorry. Please. That's just reading the room. Um, we got somebody joining us here right now, actually, for the, uh, the first time ever. And we delayed the conversation about this until we got a chance to have this particular reporter, who I'm not sure if he has an MVP vote or not, mm. out of Tampa, he might actually have an MVP. He does not have an MVP vote. He does not. I, I looked. How does this guy not have an MVP vote, honestly? Unless, unless 20, that was a 2020 <laughs> list, so maybe 2021 changed. They might have gave Tom Curran the Tampa vote, too. Don't fuck Because he, he has the one in Don't New England. I just got a text from somebody in the biz, in our biz, yeah. who just said early morning people always say they work the hardest because their schedule's the worst. It's like, that's on you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> that's not on me, all right? And there's the same hours in the day. Joining us now is a man who we don't understand how he doesn't have an MVP vote. We should. We started following this guy on Twitter, and we're uh-huh. like, God damn, this guy knows everything about everything. He's a writer for the Tampa Bay Times. Ladies and gentlemen. Rick Stride. Oh my God! You look look so cool. You look so cool right now. (laughs) Well, it's Tampa, Florida, man. You know, it's uh, it's beautiful down here. A lot of chaos, though, but it's nice. Well, we appreciate you stopping on here, especially after your report on Twitter. I know it's probably going to be a busy day for you. Uh, We think it's bullshit that you don't have an MVP vote. Yeah, it is. Especially after what we just heard Hub say. Let's dive into what your sources are telling you down there in Tampa, boots on the ground. Rick Stroud, you tweeted yesterday that there's an Antonio Brown update. Antonio's friends were worried about the pain he was expecting, so they encouraged him to see a top surgeon outside the Bucs organization. That visit and an MRI confirm his serious pain, and that story is developing. Antonio is known for having a high pain threat. Threshold. The belief, though, is Antonio should have not been on the field to begin with on Sunday before he had the situation where he literally threw his pads off, uh, gave the peace sign, did a couple jumping jacks, then he got in uh, Danny Boy Hustlehard's car, yep. went straight to the studio, released a song, then he's at a game. <laughs> so can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on that? Because he looked healthy. This is what everybody's saying. He looked healthy when he was jogging off the field. He looked healthy when he ran an incredible route. The week before, he went for 11-1-10. What are you hearing, and how do you see this uh, kind of playing out, Rick? Yeah, this is uh, just their posturing, right? It's out of the Antonio Brown camp and maybe this playbook. Uh, they got a second opinion. Who knows where? Who knows with whom? But I, I, I agree with you. I think you're right. He certainly looked healthy enough to play. He did play the first half. Um, he was asked to go in the game and said he wouldn't go. Uh, whether that's injury-related, Bruce Arians isn't talking about it. You know, look, at the end of the day, um, it sounds like he doesn't want to play football the rest of the year if he's saying he's hurt. Uh, but the Bucks are looking into their options. And no matter what the reason was for him not going in the game, what he did afterwards – Shedding the pads, you know, stripping to the waist, hopping through the end zone, 
leaving the stadium during a game, that's all conduct detrimental. And I think that the, the Bucks are looking seriously at that. That could be punishable under the player, you know, personal conduct policy. Um, so there's a lot of different options that they're weighing. And, and, you know, I'm here today. Antonio Brown's still on the roster. Forget what Bruce Arians said on Wednesday or on Sunday after the game that he's no longer a Buck. Well, he is as far as the roster goes. So we don't have a declaration. Maybe we'll find out in a few minutes. Well, hopefully we'll be able to hear from Antonio Brown on why his reasonings on why that all happened. Now, none of us will ever be okay with how it went down at the end. If that was just his retirement, I guess like 10 years from now, we'll look back on it and be like, do you remember yeah. what Super Gremlin did when he, <laughs> yeah. he threw the pads off and did that whole thing? But I heard, and my sources told me, not in the building, but around the building, who talked to a lot of people in there, because I have a lot of, you know, a lot of our old coaches are in there, so people that are talking, I don't want to put the coaches in any interesting positions like AQ is a very good friend of mine but he's still trying to become a coach in the NFL I don't want to put him in a position to say anything to me that could potentially compromise that but we have friends that are mutual that I'm asking like hey what are you hearing I heard during the three week suspension of the Vax card after that it was very different between Antonio Brown and Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that what you know from boots on the ground and is that an accurate assessment yeah that's that's exactly what I've heard Pat uh, just like you that when he came back he didn't feel the love right whatever that means and and we know that for weeks Bruce Arians when he was asked about it he said uh could go either way could go either way well I never thought it was going to go either way I always thought he was coming back yeah neither did we by the way with brains I don't think anybody he would have cut him immediately if he was going to get rid of him he wasn't going to let him go through the entire three-week suspension and then cut him we lost Stroud we lost, Rod. We lost, Mr. Oh, no, he looks cool, though. He, I mean, us three looked at each other. That's Tampa Tom Kurt. Yeah, that is Tom Kurt. <laughs> you got to ask him to take the sunglasses off because I'm pretty sure that is Tom Kurt. You think he just went down to Florida? Yeah. Change his alias? He has two names, and now we know it's Rick Strad. Sorry Tom, about that. I know that. It happens all the time with our show. Do not worry about that. It's okay. But when, um, he, when he didn't cut him immediately upon the vaccination card being found to be fake, and he had three weeks suspension, they were like, are you going to cut him? You're going to cut him? I will look at that down the road. And then when he came back, they were like, oh, is he going to cut him? He's going to cut him. I think it was very obvious to anybody in the NFL. Like, no, he would have cut him three weeks. He's not, what are we even talking about here? But he right. didn't feel the love, is what you're saying, during that entire three weeks? Or yeah, like, he, he did. He didn't feel the love during that process. Uh, I, I don't know what he was angry about. I did note that they, you know, that he settled with the chef. It, it not that it was a requirement, but it would seem that maybe they were, you know, had had certain things they wanted him to, you know, to clear up. Uh, whether he was angry about that or not, uh, or, or how he was treating his ankle, who's to say, right? I mean, this is Antonio Brown. I don't want to crawl into to that headspace, um, but you know, he he felt. He was a little paranoid from what I understand. You know, was, you know, everybody was out to get him. Uh, you know, they didn't trust him. Whatever it was, uh, it, the relationship had changed. That's the way it was explained to me. Yeah, that's sad too, by the way. One of the greatest football players of all time, Antonio Brown. Yeah. One of the greatest football players of all time. It's going to get ugly though, huh? You think, you think this is going to be something that continues to go or you think they both kind of go quietly here in the night and settle it in uh, behind the scenes? Well, you know, there's there's always lawyers involved, right? Uh, and and I think when you when you do that, those guys get paid by the hour. So I don't know how quickly this is going to be resolved, but I do think that uh, you know, to me, if you're the Bucks and you just want to cut ties, then cut ties, release the guy. You know, if he's injured, put him on IR if that's what you determine. But of course, if you admit he's injured, maybe that becomes a grievance, etc. Uh, we'll see what the league does. They're still involved at some level. Antonio doesn't have a good track record in in that sense, so. Uh, it could go any way, but I would think you'd want this behind you as quickly as possible if you're the Bucks. I'm surprised we're still talking about it on Wednesday 
you know, after know. the game, Bruce made it clear his first statement that he was not part of the team. So I don't, I don't know why he still is, quite frankly. Do you think there's a chance that they think he could get out of the state of mind and then come back later? Or do you think they're just trying to figure out what the right move is business-wise for them? Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not show friends, it's show business. And they do not want to see Antonio Brown's ankle heal and then have to play against him somewhere down the line. They're going to do what's in their best interest, and that's to make sure Antonio Brown is, is done if he's not going to play here. So I think that's all part of the equation, right? Um, you know, do what's best for your football team right now, and that's not having Antonio Brown play against you. Could you imagine some team signing Antonio? Hey, we only need you for four weeks, dude. Please do not hate everybody in here and burn this place down. Uh, we could just teach you the offense. Actually, you can run whatever the fuck route you want. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you need to do because that's the type of player he is. He's a game changer, and everybody in the league respects his game. Every player respects his game. Every coach respects his game. Uh, it's just crazy to see how it all has kind of turned out. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, if the Saints got him right before playing him in the first round, that would be comedy. Yeah, Taysom. with Taysom. But, yeah, Rick, <laughs> have you heard any uh, names being floated out there as a possible replacement, like Golden Takeoff released yesterday? T.O. has said he wants to play for Tampa. Uh, any yeah. names that they're looking at now? I don't know. If they're going to bring T.O. back, they might want to help their defense with Derek Brooks and uh, Warren Sapp. Jeez, God! God! They're down here in Tampa. They need some help. Uh, no, I haven't. I think they're going to go with what they have, you know, whether that's Sorrel Grayson or, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson. Those are the two guys he went to in that final drive. Obviously, they got Mike Evans back. Um, Rashard Perriman's done some things with his team in the past. So I think they're set. What they got to do is make better use of their tight ends. You know, O.J. Howard hasn't done anything all season. Gronk is still a big target. Cam Brake does a good job in the red zone. Right now they're hurt at running back. They need Leonard Fournette. I saw him today. Looks like he might come back. Um, so, you know, as they get healthy, it'll it'll look a little brighter. But uh, never count out Tom Brady, man. This yeah. guy loves to put the puzzle together. He loves the adversity, and he thrives on on winning, and he'll he'll try to find a way. That's a great me- – he loves putting the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, because I like saddling the horse of good puns and shit, <laughs> and that's what you just did right there. Hey, um, how long have you been down at the Tampa Bay Times? Since my birth, practically. I, I was uh, I was born in St. Pete, and I've worked here right out of college, so been here a long time, man. How much better is life now that Tom Brady moved in? Well, it's good and bad, right? I mean, I'm talking to you. That wouldn't have happened when they were 5-11. and 11 Yeah, <laughs> no, we're, we're thankful for that. We're thankful you know for that. I mean? So uh, that, that's the good news. Uh, they're relevant again. And, and that you always want to you know, have a, a storyline that changes. Hey, I had five coaches in 10 years down here. That wasn't a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, they got a good football team. I'm happy for the fans because they've went, been through a lot. It's nice to see them have a team that's uh, you know that's exciting and has a chance to win a Super Bowl. How come you don't have an MVP vote? You didn't want one? Dude, I don't have an MVP vote or a Hall of Fame vote. I've only done this for about 30 years. I don't know what I, who I pissed off. How's this asshole in Chicago got one and not you, Stroud? <laughs> well, Barkish, I don't know, man. He started pro football something, so I guess you got humor. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, go ahead, Ty. Hey, Rick. Talk, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just gonna say, talking about Brady, uh, like we've said a little bit here. I know he he's got you know a couple years left. Like, do you think if they don't win uh, the Super Bowl this year, is he done, or is the like the inclination around Tampa Bay that he's going to be there for the next several years? I think that he'll be here uh, for at least one more year, but that's you know they're day to day with that. If he feels well uh, physically, and if Mama doesn't call him home. I think you'll be here. Hey, guys, I got to run. Yep. AG's getting ready. Yep. So Appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Stroud. Thank yeah. you, Rick.
so sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions. Millions of dollars to their users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sports book going for a lot of reasons. Most of them, what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Coach Us Up Chuck segment host, Chuck Pagano. Oh, you look good today. What's up, guys? Hey, you look good today. So do you. Oh, no, no, you look better. AJ looking sweet, Chuck Berry shirt. <laughs> well, he just got buried by Jet Pass, and I don't know oh, if you heard tone, that. Tone, new, new set of cowboy boots. Yeah. 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 You go out there, Wyoming, Boulder. You got? Do you have a pair of cowboy boots, or no? You were just wearing fair gomish. I graduated from the cowboy boots the minute I graduated from the University of Wyoming. Oh. So you want that in Miami? Okay. Said, give me the fair gomish. Yeah. Give me the fair gomos. Yeah, it took, took a while to earn enough paycheck. Where I could afford a pair of Ferragamos. Yeah, but then when you got them, you know, you never left. You said, wow, these Italians make some good fucking shoes, huh, don't they? Really good. Beside the gobble gold, the Ferragamos. <laughs> awesome. uh, let's talk about the NFL, where we're at right now. Uh, week 18, there's a lot of conversation around the league about resting players. Do you play players? Do you worry about them getting hurt? They can get hurt at any time. What would you be thinking going into this week? And also, with a guy like Derrick Henry, who has had no reps in however long it is, do you think about maybe treating this weekend like a preseason game, knowing that they have the number one seed, they could potentially have home field advantage, they got a week off the next week? What are your thoughts on all that, and who always involved in making those decisions, you think? Well, I think it's, you know, a collaborative effort between, you know, GM, head coach, owner, you know, staff. They're all going to talk and, and make those decisions. Um, you know, I think Green Bay's a totally different, you know, scenario than, say, Tennessee. You know, who Tennessee goes and, you know, beats Houston, I believe it is, and they got the number one seed and the playoffs go through go through Tennessee. So um, as far as Derrick Henry goes, I, I wouldn't have a problem if the doctors have assured me and Derrick has assured me, but mostly the doctors have assured me that, hey, look, and I know at any point somebody can get dinged up, but he's not going to – the foot is fine. It's a it's 100% healed. Um, you know, he, he's good to go. Then – I'd get him some burn. You know, how much burn? That just depends. They'd put a pitch count on him, say, look, we're going to give you X amount of touches, see how this thing goes and get you out of there. Obviously, they've done really well without him. So if they can get him some burn, get him out of there healthy, win that game, get the one seed, awesome. Aaron, on the other hand, I know the other day he talked about, or yesterday talked about, you know, him and Matt having conversations and the upper brass there uh, about, you know, plan and uh, momentum. All those things come into play and you get you get worried as hell, you know. 
uh, you think back to you know the 13 and three Colts or whatever it was when they they, they rested guys and and then you know get knocked out you know in the first round you always worry about that but there's there's no way um, that as the head coach sometimes you got to make decisions and you got to protect these players from themselves no bad no matter how bad they want to play and, and go out there but for them and for Aaron uh, in that club it would make absolutely uh, zero sense to me uh, for them to play okay. and uh, you know because God forbid if something did happen. You know, in, in week 18, you know, 17th game of the season, uh, and, you know, they've already got home field, you know, secured. Uh, to me, that would make absolutely uh, no no sense. So I'd just say, look, I know you want to go out there. I know a bunch of you guys want to go out there. But, you know, Aaron, uh, Devontae, a bunch of these guys, you know, the, the runners, you know, I'm going to get some young guys some burnt. It don't matter. You know, and, and then they're playing Detroit, right? Yeah. Mike you know, Wynn. I got to look at the other team too, because you know they're going to ball out, you know. And, and all you need is some some first or second year, third year player, you know, trying to you know make the roster for twenty twenty two and and be kept around and you know just lose his damn mind, you know, and, and do something you know from the other. So you got to protect them from the other team because you know you know MCDC is going to have those guys hunting and, and rolling. A division game, and, and you got a chance to beat, you know, the one seed and gain all that momentum, you know, going into the off season and, and building your program and all that stuff. So, hey, yeah, good program. Hey, that was a good program, man. And I was going to the program. I was going. So yeah, I. There's every situation is different, uh, guys. So um, that one for sure. I'm I'm not rolling him out there. Hey, Chuck, were you able to see uh, the the Steelers Browns game on Monday and Ben's whole kind of going away ceremony, I guess. What are your thoughts? Like, as a coach, I think everyone, I think Ben even had to feel awkward and weird at times trying to play a game through all of that. Like, what would you, have you ever been a part of something like that? Like, where somebody is definitely this, there's the last game and they're trying to honor them? Yeah, I did watch it uh, like everybody else. And I, I thought it was really cool. I thought they handled it really well. I thought Ben handled it really well. You can only imagine, you know, as a player, you know, I, I had left, you know, Baltimore in 2011 to go to the Colts, and, and Ray finished up in 2012, and he got the injury and then announced his retirement and came back for the playoffs. And, Pat, you remember we had to go play them in the first in the wild card game, you know, in, in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, they put Ray, it was going to be the last home game for him, and they let him, you know, remember when they took a knee? Yeah, and he was the back guy. And then as soon he as he was the-, the back guy, you know, they usually put a receiver, but Harbs and them put Ray back there. and. Had I not had the relationship with, with that organization and that coach and all those guys, we might have gone out to midfield and start fighting everybody. <laughs> we, we, we loved it for Ray, but I thought that was, you know, very, very cool for Ben. And you can only imagine the emotions uh, that, are, that are going through him and, and to be able to kind of, you know, walk out on that field, you know, have all the emotions leading up to the game and then walk out on that field, you know, the ovation, this, that, and the other, and then be able to lock back in, you know, and go execute and run the offense and, and uh, get the win. And and it's like, you know, the football gods shine so bright on them, you know, to be able to, you know, win that game. And then they, they get the interception and he gets to go out and, and, and take the best, you know, the, the best playing football is, is on a knee to win a game. And, and to do that, I, I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. And I thought, you know, Mike T and, and the rest of those guys handled that handled that really well. Yeah, the only people that really fucked it up were the refs. 
who didn't let the timeout that was called with yeah, two seconds left, yeah. one. so that uh, so that uh, Roethlisberger could get the old sub out, sub in thing, like in basketball. The, the commentators kept talking about it. I don't think I'd ever seen it in football, but also there's not a lot of those moments yeah. in football where you get a chance to kind of honor somebody like that. That last game with Ray at home there, everybody knew it was his last game. You remember how high that fire was when he came? I mean, those fireballs were burning up all Baltimore that day. He came out last. It did the whole thing. It was electrifying in there and I think that's probably the closest because Ray was beloved in Baltimore obviously Ben beloved in there getting a chance to see that I, I mean as you were talking about it, I was thinking back like oh shit like we were there for Ray's last day what do you think um, about the Antonio Bro? we talked about it there whenever you're talking about rolling Aaron out there for an injury, and sometimes a coach has to look out for a player. This Antonio Brown thing is only going to get even, it sounds like muddy the waters a little bit, because Antonio Brown's team and people are saying he was too injured to be on the field in the first place. Bruce Arians came out and said, we were told nothing of the sort. There was a workout before the game. They deemed him okay. Did they force pads on him and had him play? He looked healthy jogging off. He had 11 for one something a week before that, but he is incredibly tough. How do you feel about that? And with all the people you know down there, how does that whole process process work you think to get a guy back on the field and not on the field who's making that decision who's a part of those conversations yeah I, I know you know what you, what you guys know uh pat you know i haven't talked to those guys down there um obviously a, a crazy crazy set of circumstances um you know i've never you know we we, we saw Monte you know, do it at halftime. Young man's game, dog. You know, hey, this is a young man's game. game. You know, hey, this is a young man's fair. game, dog. I ain't got you know, it no I'm, more. <laughs> and we can't, we're not going to judge anybody we, until we walk in another man's shoes. I mean, we don't know what anybody's, you know, dealing with. So there's always, you know, the behind the scenes stuff of, you know, he said, she said, was he hurt? Was he not hurt? Um, you know, there, there's possible fines that come into play here for conduct detrimental. Um, They're big. You know, him, you know, walking out on his teammates and on the coaching staff. And if he was asked to go back in the game uh, by the head football coach and then he refused, you know, to go back in the football game, regardless uh, of the circumstances, you know, that's not the time and the place for it, uh, for that, you know, those things to be happening like that. So, you know, and, and part of me, you know, is, is like, you know, he's still on the roster. They haven't officially, you know, cut him just because – of all the things that you guys have talked about, and we've heard, you know, all the pundits on TV talking about, you know, the contract situation, you know, the injury situation, you know, you've got to make sure that you get all your ducks in a row. So those conversations are being had with Jason Light and, and BA and, and ownership down there and trying to figure it and all their legal, legal counsels, they're getting all their ducks in a row as far as that contract goes and the language uh, that's in that contract. And, you know, you hear about incentives and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, uh, you know, BA to no, me yeah, has, yeah. has always been a player's coach and, and always wanted, you know, those guys to make as much money or more money than, than possible, you know, so I don't buy any of that, but, but then I also look at it like as a coach, like if I cut this dude, there's a chance that, you know, just maybe, it's the National Football League, right? And everybody's desperate to get W's and get wins and, and maybe get past that wild card and get to a divisional game. And could this guy be the guy? But there's, you know, there's a part of me that says, you know what? We're not going to – that's what he wants. That's why he did what he did. You know, maybe war hours, what, whatever. 
you know, and maybe if I do this, they will cut me. But I think the smart thing is that they don't do that. They don't give anybody else because they still got his right. Nobody can touch him right now because he's technically not a free agent, right? So, you know, they're saying, hey, we're not going to do him any favors and, and cut him right off the bat and let somebody else sign him, specifically, you know, somebody else in, um, you know, the, the NFC and somebody we might play, you know, in this wild card round. Yeah, and who knows if anybody will sign him at this point, but you're right with the desperation to win a Super Bowl. There's only four games you got to win. Do you want to be a part of that? You don't just kind of reset your entire self. But I, I think it's they're delaying because they're trying to figure out the legalities of it all so they don't end up having to pay on the back end. But also maybe they don't want to play anywhere else. Do you think the narrative that coaches – want players to play through injuries is blown out of proportion? Do you think it's a pretty accurate assessment of football uh, coaches, mostly football guys? Like, hey, if you can play, you can play. We've seen the video of Braum in the XFL when they asked if he wanted to continue to play or why he continued to play through the injury. And he said, is there blood pumping through my body? Does my heart have a heartbeat? I am playing football. That is the mentality of a lot of coaches, right? Because football is coaches' entire lives. A lot of that is getting thrown out, right? A lot of that's getting thrown out. Like coaches were forcing him to play through injury. It's happening in other places. Do you think that's blown out of proportion, or do you think that is just going to come with the nature of the beast with dealing with injuries, a lot of money in the NFL? Way out of proportion. There's no There's no way that in, in 2021 and beyond, and even long before that, that anybody, I mean, we always said there's a difference between pain and injury. That's how I grew up. You know, we always heard that, that cliche, you know, and uh, coaches to players and, and whatnot. But there, it, there's no way, you know, that if, if he's hurt or the trainer says he comes up and says, hey, he's got an ankle, he's this, he's questionable. There's no way, especially on the sideline in a situation like that, anytime, you know, during a game or before the game that they're going to say, hey, you need to play. You're not you're not hurt. Trainers came up to me and they said X, Y, because the trainers aren't going to tell you that. You know, they ain't going to come up and, and, and just say, you know, because if the kid the kid goes in a training room, he talks to a doctor, he's been to an uh, orthopedic, he's talked to whoever, if there's any shadow of a doubt that he's not 100%, they ain't going to force him on the field. There's too many ramifications down the road, you know, because if you do, because somebody's going to have that documented and there's no way. Yeah, and also I think that maybe happened back in the day and there's movies that were like, yeah, shoot it up, mm-hmm. just get out there, kind of. But I think as the game has evolved, the humans have as well, and as have the documentation for whose ass it is for any future you know, lawsuits or litigation or anything like that. So I think you combine all those things. I would find it very difficult for them to be, force him to play, especially with what we saw him do when he didn't want to play. I But... We could be wrong. It's obviously a scene down there. They're the reigning Super Bowl champs, Chuck. How can you have that much distraction, be the reigning Super Bowl champs, going into Week 18? I never could have expected that, I don't think, out of a good football team, Chuck. No, I, you know, when you go down the, that road with, with some of these guys, and, and B.A. knew, and he said he has no regrets. He knew what he was getting into, you know, when they, when they bring, you know, brought A.B. on board. And, you know, when your quarterback – is you know the best to ever play that position in the history of the game and it's tom brady and he you know signs off on it and says yeah we need to do this you know you're going to say okay and, and ba is one of those guys he he pulls his players and he listens to his players and he asks for input and this kind of thing and and is a few guys on each team that are that are like that and have that uh you know that cachet you know if you will um you know, but so you know what you bring into the building and, and you think, hey, I got a locker room that can handle this. I got enough, 
you know, veteran leadership. I got enough OGs, you know, myself, I'll build a relationship, but you just never know. And nobody would have ever expected, you know, because they start rolling again and then, you know, you lose, you know, Godwin, Godwin and you lose Evans and then you lose Fournette and, and, and now AB's gone. Uh, but then there's young guys. I mean, you look at Cyril Grayson who comes out of nowhere and what a throw and what a catch, you know, what a great story that is. And there's a bunch of young guys that, that got to eat, right? They're sitting there like, feed me. I'm going to make a play and I'm going to make a name for myself and I'm going to show up for my teammates. And what a great opportunity for him. And he took full advantage of it. Well, how's the guy will go, you think, down mm -hmm. in Tampa? We'll find oh. out. This could be something that brings them together, by the way. Mm -hmm. Young, big distraction. A lot of people do it. You have Tom Brady, chip on a shoulder guy. There's uh, now sources, anonymous sources, telling people that A.B. wasn't happy, that Gronk was getting a lot of the targets, and there was some sort of situation that was going on and building. Who knows? He might have been looking for a reason to get upset after what happened during the three-week suspension. It's crazy. I'm excited to see what Tom Brady does, though. After watching Man in the Arena, this is something that Tom could use to galvanize mm -hmm. the entire squad. We'll see how it all plays out. Go ahead, Ty. Coach, there's a lot of discussion right now with Rodgers about you know people who have MVP votes, and and I don't think coaches give a shit about winning Coach of the Year. You know, you just want to win games, and I don't think you really had this perception. But was there ever a time where? you felt like someone in the media was always going to be unfair to you no matter what. Uh, and that, you know, like, cause these guys do like whether you were short with someone in, in a press conference or were there any people where you're like, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. Like this guy's kind of out to get me regardless. I, I think for the most part, the guys in Indy, you know, treated me uh, very well and uh, were very fair. You know, there was a, uh, couple hired guns i think they brought in there to stir it up a little bit and you know guys that are in these major markets that that love to get after guys but um they were always uh you know really really good to me and um you know and before i you know i'd be remiss if i didn't mention you know congratulations to you uh coach sirianni on, on coach of the year yeah. uh, yeah, I, know, I know that I know that matters, you know, to you. And what a great job so. you've, you've done, you know, turning that thing around. Because, I mean, when you start talking about water and, you know, flowers and plants and things are growing underneath the earth, we just can't see it. You know, the opening press conference, and you, you look at that record, how they started and, and where they're at now, and they clinched a playoff berth. I mean, congratulations. Hey, is that your coach of the year? Is it strictly because of... No, uh, lots of gobble but... <laughs> I, was, I was lucky. Indy, Indy was a good market. There was, there was, you know, like I said, a couple dudes there that, you know, go back and forth with from time to time. But um, now they were, they were pretty good to me, pretty fair. And I, and I get, I mean, it was, you know, when they get after you and you, you screw it up, you know, and deservedly so. I mean, that's their job, you know. So. There's, I gave him, gave him a few opportunities to get after me pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a couple opportunities for all of us, obviously, and that's in every single organization that's going to happen, especially when you're in the NFL, because you're in a fishbowl. Hey, Chuck, you're in a fishbowl. All eyes on you. You're the only one swimming around. You're at the top of the game. you got to do what you got to do. The media is very important for the NFL's success. I think we all recognize that. We all understand that. Some of these dudes think they're bigger than a fucking game, though, Chuck. I, I, you know, I don't know how. I never did any press at Indy. Legit. Never was asked to do any. Never really got asked any questions. But I heard some people that were asked some questions. I don't know how people don't tell them 
to scram more often. You know, I I'd honestly, just some of the questions with some of the, not in Indy, you're right, Indy is very good, but there's a lot of videos we see of interviews and some national people that come in that don't necessarily know our team or our locker room. They're doing their thing and they're bigger than the game all of a sudden somehow. These people think they're bigger than all of it. It's an interesting game because you need them. You hope they're on your side, but also sometimes you just want to smack them right in the fucking mouth. I just, you know, so you kind of have to, you have to balance all that no, out. I- and the old adage is, you know, they got way more ink and paper, you know, than you got years left on your contract. So just keep that in mind, you know, and uh, that's how they sell newspapers and that's how they get clicks and things like that. And, yeah, there was times where you want to come right off the right off the podium, you know, and, and, and get after somebody, like you said. And, and, you know, Doyle had his neck brace on one time because remember when he was in the ring fighting UFC or whatever? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Greg, Greg's a great writer. Great, great he's, talent. He's not, I think he's a brilliant, brilliant writer. Me too, by the way. J- journalist. Uh, I mean, he does a great job. And, and uh, you know, so, yeah, there was times when you want to get out. But you can't, you can't let them get you to that place. You know, where they got Joe Judge to go, you know, and he goes on an 11-and-a-half-minute diatribe, like we like to say, on – I mean, that's just like, I, I've listened to it like three times now, and I'm just like, where are you going with this? This is a no, this is a no-win situation. This, you can't, because, I mean, they're thinking about, you know, keeping you. You've heard in the media where, you know, I've been, you know, I pretty much knew back in 17 that writing was on the wall, and my days were numbered, and I was, I was pretty much done. But if you hear somebody put out there like, yeah, was it Schefter put it out, hey, Giants are thinking about, you know, bringing back, you know, the quarterback and the head coach. You know, I'm thinking, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to try to do everything possible not to give them any fuel, you know, uh, and anything else to uh, change their minds on this deal. But if I'm watching that and I'm part of the Mara family and part of ownership or this, that, and the other, because I don't know, if, you know, the GM are talking about Gettleman being uh, gone from there and making a change there, but I'm not going to give them any other reason, uh, you know, but to go on – to to let the media, because you're you're pissed off and this that and the other, and you you think, hey, the culture and we're going in the right direction, and you know, changing how people think is really hard, but and because at the end of the day, it's like wins and losses. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're giving, you stay, you're, gi- you're, giving as, you're giving them a lot. You're giving them a lot. You're giving them a lot. Yeah, as that. and yeah. nobody gives a shit. We've talked about on here about you know people giving you time, you know, and to build your program. And, and, and get a couple, you know, uh, draft classes in there and giving you all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to run you, it's going to be because you didn't win enough games. It's not because of how you handled the media, how you handled your team. I just find it hard, you know, it just you just give them too much stuff. and, and 3,000 words, I think? It was like yeah. 3,000 words or something. Like, you're giving them a lot of shit to pick apart when you're doing it, especially in the New York media. I mean, yeah. and you just had negative 10 yards passing on offense. I mean, it is. But no, I, and he was proud. He was proud proud of the guys and proud of the effort and the game plan, and we were going to run. I mean, I would – hey, look, we got our asses handed to us today. It ain't good enough. we got to be better. We got one more week to, you know, prove ourselves, and 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 that's that's that. They keep asking you questions. I didn't do a good. We didn't do a good enough job. We didn't coach well. And he came from a guy who said it the best forever. Belichick, when you know, every once in a while when he lost a game, you know, every other year he'd get up there and just say, "We got out coached. We got out played. You know, we didn't coach well. We didn't play well. We didn't do anything well." 
Hey, when, we're on to, and we're on to Cincy. What do you need to get better at? What do you need to get better at? Uh, first down. We need to get better at second downs. Mm-hmm. Certainly need to get better at third downs. Fourth downs as well. Mm-hmm. Next question. Thank you. It's like, what a hilarious answer. That's his thing. And there's some people that are better, more media savvy and better speakers. But you're right. You're not gonna you're not gonna talk anybody out of thinking your team's better than what they just showed on the field. It can only help it or hurt it. Joe Judge, he's got quite an uphill battle being a coach of the Giants, anyways, being over in New York. If you don't win and the history and everything, we're learning more about it via Strahan and documentaries and everything like that. But man, that was interesting. I loved it. He's a special teams guy. I hope he kid continues to go, but you're right. The 3,000 words is awesome. And people are going to say, oh, Chuck wants his job. You don't want to. You're just sitting back telling, hey, Joe, I've been there, done that before. This is not what you need to do, especially in this moment. Go ahead, AJ. Well, Chuck, staying with uh, Joe Judge, don't you think all that stuff he said, yeah, it, it very, way, very well may be true. Like, yeah, of course, we're, we're not fighting each other. We're, the culture is getting better. I see it turning around. Obviously, he doesn't have any wins. So you need to hit somebody else to say that, right? Don't you think his players need to tell the media that? Someone like that doesn't need to come from the head man because he's trying to justify his job not only to the media but probably to the front office too. Like, hey, look at look around the league. Like, we're not nearly as bad as some of these teams. Like, Guys want to be I feel here. like that's what he's doing. Like, shouldn't he let other people do that for him? Absolutely. There's no way he should have to go up there and and, and give you a, a three thousand word you know diatribe on on why they should you know keep you know keep him and and they're going in the right direction. All that that stuff ain't for public consumption. Nobody wants to hear about, hey, I got guys, you know, rolling into my office and, and begging me to, you know, resign, and, and I got guys that played here a year. Nobody wants to hear that crap. They, they want, did you win or did you lose? You know, and be accountable and own, and own that. Just own that. Go ahead, Tom. You know, when you win, hey, look, all the credit goes to the coaches and the players. And when you lose, it's my fault. You know, I did a poor job of getting this team ready to go, and I got to be better. End of discussion. And and to see that, I don't think, A.J., I don't think I saw, you know, one player or another coach or anybody in that organization come back and say anything after that and go, yeah, I mean, we'd we love to be here. And, yeah, I, you know, another player on another team, I can't think who it is. I think D.O. said that maybe they lost one guy last year, you know, and, and had that, I don't know if I'm – Quoting that thing right for lost <laughs> Oh, Do, Do, Do. I mean, I'm not looking for a job, so I can say anything what the hell I want. But, um, and I'm not. Yeah, I ain't after his job. But you don't. This is more of like. And I learned. I learned the hard way. You know, less less is always more. We've talked about that a thousand times. You don't. You're not going to win that battle. You know, and you can have those conversations behind closed doors and all that, but. He just and that's what he says out of one side of his mouth, and then the other side he goes and, and tells the whole world that he's having these conversations. And I talk to my players, and I ask my players, "What the hell's going on in the locker room?" Well, let us tell you what's going on. We stink, coach. <laughs> we something fucking different. You know, we can't get a first down. You know, we can't put any points on the board. Uh, I mean, Christ. <laughs> Go ahead, There's not much hope either. No, not a lot of hope for the future, especially if they remain the same. And, and by clown show organization, he had them doing push-ups. Remember, yeah, he had them doing push-ups and full pads in training camp. Well, that's the other thing. Full I mean, pads. going back and you and you're going back through your head and say, okay, yeah, this guy made us do laps. He made Third us do grade. push-ups. We had to do up downs. He sent us to the stadium to run steps. I mean, coaches and players and they're and they're. Can you imagine them sitting back? And just scratching their head and just go, oh, God, no, cut it off. 
What a time to be a Giant fan. Shout out, Bruce. Go Shout ahead, uh, Chuck, obviously you don't gamble, but I do. And week 18, a big thing is we got to determine who the fuck is going to Chuck try. gambles. He's Italian. No, 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 no Chuck gambles. He was literally called us from Vegas because Tina was down you're, there. You're right, you're right. Uh-huh. I mean, what are we even talking about? The Pagano family is deep in the gobble yeah. ball. Teams that are already out of the playoffs, <laughs> how do I determine if I think they're going to try or not? And I got this theory where – Away teams will be more motivated because they got to get back on the team playing with the coaches and their other players versus home teams who may have their U-Hauls already in the parking lot. Is there anything to that theory? What am I going to do this weekend, Chuck? Who are you? Who'd you say, Tone? Away teams. They're going to try harder because they got to get back on the team playing and look at each other and look at each other versus home teams. You got your U-Haul in the parking See the lot. Coaches. That's a pretty good theory. Thank you. It is, right? That awkwardness could drive a little bit more passion. But our plane, our our motto all the time, Tone, was win or lose, we booze. So there was going to be plenty of gobble (laughs) How's the year? How's the year? Wow, it's over. It's the only way you you can get through that stuff. But I don't – these guys are professionals. And, you know, unless they're in a scenario like, you know, Green Bay or whatnot, you've got – you can't, you know – change your seating you've got the number one seed locked up you're going to be the three you're going to be the four no matter what happens uh unless unless that's the the case i mean those guys are going to go out there and ball out and and they're going to play and you know they still you know they signed up for 17 games this year and uh you know they're going to play they're going to play 17 games so there's a lot riding uh there's a lot on the line for a lot of these guys you know especially guys that are you know, in contract years, they're going to be unrestricted free agents, uh, young players that are getting an opportunity to play because of, you know, injuries or COVID or they're resting players. So this is this is big. And it, you're still on TV. You know, you're still in the it's bright lights. It's still the National Football League. So, you know, you're going to go. This is one more opportunity to go let it eat and, and have some fun. And also, with that being said, after this game, we got nothing for four months. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I think this last week of practice, a little bit more energized for team. I only had it one year where we had zero playoff yeah. implications or whatever. That was the year that we ended up with you the next year. But that last week, it was almost for everybody like, uh, hey, we don't have to do this much longer. All right. So let's go ahead and invest here. Let's dial it in. Let's put out a good performance going into the offseason. Who knows who's going to be here next year? Who knows who isn't going to be here next I feel year? feel like I just heard. Chuck's pump-up speech if he was on a team that was out of the playoffs well, this weekend. I've heard the, hey, for the name on the back, too. You know, it's for the, I've, I've heard you give that one before where your family's watching, your friends are watching. So even though there might be the biggest, like, hey, let's go ahead and lock this in. And that's why Chuck dives right into that coach speak, right? And although he's just sitting on top of that Peloton <laughs> four times a day yeah. and running errands and coming on this show once a week, football is going to be something that gets Chuck jacked, I think, forever, which makes me ask you this question. Do you think Stefanski was purposely putting Baker Mayfield out there on a display to suck so that they can move on and not give the ball to Chubb? That was the internet was saying that. And in the NFL, you would never think something like that would happen. But then you start watching the game even longer, and you're like, why is Chubb not getting this ball? And everybody's like, well, Baker, I think Stefanski even said, Baker's handcuffed by the harness he has. So then in the same thought, Stefanski said, I'm going to have him throw 100 fucking times. That's right. And he's going to have 10 straight incompletions, be the first quarterback in the NFL of the 2021 season 
2021-2022 season to have 10 straight completions. They got Chubb, who's averaging 8.8 in the backfield. So whenever you start reading the internet going, oh, this had to be Stefanski just setting up for the future playing chess. Let's get Baker out here, make him look terrible on primetime so when we release him, everybody understand that going into the next year. We owe him $18.8 million. Salary cap's 200 and some. Who gives a fuck about that? There's no way that happened in the NFL, right? There's no way. And why do you think something like that could potentially take place other than that reasoning, if that is the case? Yeah, I would say no way. You know, you, you're, you're not going to do that. Um, Stefanski looks like a stand-up guy to me. Looks like a guy that knows knows what he's doing. You know, pretty steady, uh, pretty calm. You know, I, I think we all kind of know, you know, before that game, uh, you know, Baker's kind of future. I mean, we know he's beat up and it, there's some head scratchers, you know, out there, Pat. I mean, they start that game with four, five, six straight passes. That first, the first series of the game, uh, which they, they punted. You know, they never handed the ball off once. It wasn't until the second series. And then he ripped off, what did he go, 40, 43-yard, yeah. whatever it was. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of head scratchers there because the chance to win that game wasn't going to be because Baker was, you know, throwing the football, you know, down, down the field. It was, you know, Pittsburgh's run defense has not been as solid and as good and steady as it, as it has been in the past. And, and yeah, he's what do you think it is? Ego? You think it's ego into the the strategy or the game plan? You think just like, hey, I knew this is what we planned for. This is what we knew was going to work. Our film, because Stefanski's watching more film than any of us, and we have the gift of hindsight. He's the one who's deciding what plays to call. Do you think it's just ego that that happens? Like, for instance, a couple of weeks, uh, maybe four or five weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor, like it was, it was like, well, Carson was a hot hand or whatever. Do you think it's just because the strategy, the ego? Why do you think it happens for some play callers? No, I. You know, I don't, you know, maybe maybe some of that, you know, uh, creeps in there. But uh, in this case, I, I don't think so. Um, I think they go in and, and we always went in with a plan on offense, defense and special teams and decide, OK, this is how we're going to play this game. Um, complimentary football, uh, like Bill going up to Buffalo a few weeks back and, and running it, you know, 50 times and throwing it three times, whatever that number was. That was their plan, and they stuck to it, and it worked, and they got out of there with, with a win. You know, and sometimes, you you know, the game plan is, is thrown out the window in, in the first, you know, half of the first quarter, you know, uh, seven minutes to go. And, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times they're like, so this guy's got a harness on, and they're booting him out to left, and he throws this ball, and he tries to whistle it in there, and it's, it's, it's way behind. The receiver and falls right in 25's lap and everybody's like well maybe they were you know they're on the left hash the offensive left hash you know or or the offensive right hash and they're not going to boot into the boundary so they want to run a boot here it's it's part of the game plan it's part of the down and distance the situation called for it and the kid had you know the tight end wide open underneath him and he tried to force one you know the other way and I threw passes to DBs for, for 36 years, okay, 37 years of coaching. And to my right, as a right-handed quarter, to my right, I never missed. Oh, pretty. I was money. Oh, good ball. Come whistling out of there. Okay? But going to my left, I could never get my, my hips open, my foot to the target, and, and I would always throw behind the, behind the D-back. You know, and, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that have that, that problem throwing their left. Andrew had that problem. We always talk about, hey, give him a runner's ball. So he's running. You want a runner's ball. You want that thing out in front of the receiver so he can catch, turn it upfield, and run. But when it comes back here, 
you know, that's, that's a problem. A lot of times, like up in New England, ricochet off T.Y.'s pad, go up in the air, they intercept. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, or the DB's in great, he's in phase with the, with the receiver like 25 was for Pitt, and it's behind, and he picks it off. Pittsburgh. You know, so everybody says, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Uh, ego, I, I don't think ego ever gets in there. You know, maybe you want to shove it up somebody's rear. Maybe, like Bruce, Bruce was always, hey. Chicago. This is going to be, you know, wear the black socks, you know, <laughs> whether it was practice or game, and he wants to throw bombs on you, and it's going to be bombs on He's going deep. He don't care how many of them you knock down. He's going to get two or three of them, you know, and try to embarrass you that way. And not because he don't like that's just a competitive nature in that dude. You know, <laughs> North Turner, you know, was, was like that. I mean, every time he played North in that offense, I mean, it was like, Bombs over back. I mean, boom, 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 boom. And you could just count on it happening. You know, how many shots you going to throw today, Coach? Take it easy on us, you know. And, <laughs> we don't, we quarterbacks beat up, shoulders hurt. We can't get it down the field. And bam, next thing you know. I'm <laughs> That's like you the, know, so. yeah, the classic BA, right? Chicago, they hired the Canadian whiz. And then he gets the Arizona job. And then it's fourth quarter. They're up 21 or something. And he's throwing bombs to Larry Fitzgerald. And then they score. And then he gets the ball back. You can run out the clock probably. Bomb coming back. They actually incomplete. So they had to punt the ball back. <laughs> but it was like one of those things where obviously B.A. would do that to anybody. But also if there's a little bit of a reason. We went out to Arizona. Remember, we went out there. And we thought, oh, no, it's going. Hey, B.A. is going to try to. Everybody on in the locker room was like, Hey, B.A. is going to try to get us here now. we got to kind of tighten up. That's interesting whenever you think about some play callers having that. Is that just that dog mentality, Coach? Oh. You think well, it's just that dog mentality? Well, I for sure have that dog mentality. I mean, you're not going to be seeing me doing that kind of stuff. Dude, like, like Coach said, you leave the ego at the door. You let the guys who you scout and who you bring into your program, you let them go out and make the plays for you. What about when Washington play? tried to kill your quarterback? Whoa. What are you going to do the next time? Well, I mean, I said earlier this week, scumbag organization. You know, dance. <laughs> Snyder's a piece of shit, so it doesn't surprise me. We're just lucky that Jalen didn't get sawed in half by that cattle rail. Uh, Connor, you have a question for Coach? Uh, yeah, Chuck, there's a chance that the Bills <laughs> Which play the Patriots. Yeah, Sirianni? <laughs> that the Bills play the Patriots for the third time in like seven weeks. Is it harder to game plan for a team that you're that familiar with? Uh, and would it probably benefit the Patriots strictly because they kind of know how the Bills are going to attack them, or does that go both ways? I, I think it goes both ways. I, I don't. I think to go in there and overthink that thing and try to reinvent yourself uh, week 18, regardless if you've played these guys two times already and, and three times in seven weeks, week you got to go. The team that goes out and executes the best, that takes care of the football, uh, runs the ball, stops a run, doesn't beat themselves with uh, foolish penalties. That's that's the team that's that's going to win. And you can overcook that, and you can overthink that, and you can go in and say, "Hey, look," because th- those teams know each other. Uh, they knew each other, you know, very well before they ever played. You know, this season being in the same division, so um, they're going to go out and do the same do the same things that they've done and decide, okay, hey, we got to stop Diggs. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to try to make them beat us left-handed. And and they may have a special play here or a special play there. They'll go back in the archives 
and say, okay, situational football, maybe a, a first and goal or a fourth and goal, a third and one, a fourth and one, those type of scenarios. Hey, we haven't done this in a long, long time. They might have saw some somebody run something, um, you know, from last week, week 16. They've been saving it. They've got a library of plays, you know, gadget stuff, specialty plays, situational plays that they may integrate, you know, into uh, the game plan and have it practice and have it, uh, you know, ready to go in case that situation arises. But uh, no, I mean, these two teams know each other. Uh, very, very well, and they're going to go out and do what they do, and they just, they got to, whoever executes best, takes care of the ball, is probably going to win. Who wins the Super Bowl, Coach? Uh, Green Bay Packers. Ah, hey, it feels ah. different this year for them, doesn't it? It does. It just feels different this year. You were with, obviously, the Bears you had to face against Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years, but this year it feels different than the last two in which it ended at the NFC Championship, in my personal opinion, looking outside in. Yeah, I, I just think you know, getting home field advantage, and, and they've been in that game the last two years. Um, and the young players that were on that team, obviously they've got Aaron and the rest of those guys. I just think they got too much talent. Um, there's a couple, you know, you know the run defense has, has been a little bit spotty, you know, here and there, but they're an opportunistic. You know, they're an opportunistic defense. Uh, defense. Um, you know, Razul's come in there and played. I just think it's going to be too hard for – you know, Tampa went up there, you know, last year and, and beat them at Lambeau to, to gain their spot, you know, in the in the Super Bowl. But I just don't think, you know, Matt Stafford, uh, you know, even even Tom, you know, with that crew, the situation that they're in, uh, I just think they got too much too much going on right now, you know. Uh, and and Tennessee, like you talked about, Braves. I mean. Rave should get coach of the year. Yeah, it's insane, you, you isn't it? Me, you tell me, I mean, can you name how many guys other than, you know, we all know Tannehill's the quarterback and, you know, A.J. Brown and, and Julio's been there, but, you know, for them to lose their best player on offense and Derrick Henry, you know, week eight or whatever it was, Halloween, you know, and, and to play the schedule that they play. You remember that run of teams they went through? The middle of the year, Buffalo. I mean, it was like Kansas Buffalo, City, Kansas, New England, New England. They were like Indy. Yeah, uh-huh. they, weren't, they weren't beating, you know, the the you know doormats of the National Football League, you know. And there's a bunch of, I mean, selfless guys in that team. And you gotta love Braves, and you gotta love his mindset, and and how he teaches, and how he coaches, and he's a smart guy. And they've got, you know, talk about dog mentality. They got that dog mentality too. But you know, I. You know, if they get the home field, and they should. You know, those two two scary games. You know, with the Colts going down to Jacksonville and and those guys going to Houston. Because when you you're playing with house money, you know, you've been in Vegas with all your chips and and you're rolling and you got a nice buzz on and you got all their money in front of you. <laughs> you can't you can't lose. You know, so those guys those teams are playing with house money. Um, you know, Jacksonville. I. You know, Joe Judge said there's no golf clubs, you know, in the locker room right now and planning vacations. I, I think Jacksonville's probably <laughs> a simulator in their locker room. <laughs> I think Colts win by 20. That's one of my, uh, like, locks of the weekend. I think yeah. after what happened with the Raiders, what the Colts need to do, it feels like that's going to be a get-back game for them. Uh, obviously, the Tennessee Titans need to get a win so they can have home field advantage. But you're right. What Braves have been able to do, and I enjoyed what he said afterwards, and I assume a lot of meatheads did. Hey, the most physical team will win. 
The most physical team will win every single week, and it feels like that bully ball the Tennessee Titans have adopted, and they're getting the big Debo back in Derrick Henry. We can't thank you enough for joining us, Chuck. We love chatting with you every single week. You look great this week, Paisan. Yeah. I see you trying to, you know... You know, hustle your way into a Peloton sponsorship, too, moving that thing right behind you there. You know, go full screen on Chuck there. <laughs> Chuck's like, hey, excuse me, Mr. and Mrs. Peloton. I'm on this thing all day. If I can get some free ass pads, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Appreciate yeah. you guys. Hey, you too, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck, we're going to thank you. Representing another sport that have none of the above, but absolutely a lot of history, going through an insane time that'll be talked about for years and years on whether or not this is what killed baseball or not. Jeez. Representing the MLB, senior baseball insider insider for ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to warm up the jet, Jeff Patson. Jeff. Oh, what's up, boys? Hey, you look amazing. It's great to see that your hair and your tie and everything's fantastic. Wake me up when baseball is back. Even though the MLB quit, Jet didn't. And that's what we appreciate you Thank for, you. Jet. Hey, Jet. Um, good we, to be here, boys. You're, 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 you're looking good. Um, Thank you. Is, is Connor around right now? Yeah. What's up, Jet? Hey, Connor. What did he say? I didn't hear. Groceries down. Oh, come on, dude. Garbage chute. A different show, Jeff. We're not talking about that right now. Honestly, what are you doing, man? Different show. That's a great question, actually. I'm a doofus, Jet. What do you want from me, pal? I'm dumb. Does that make you feel better? You journalist? I feel like you and baseball are the same right now. You have something great and you just throw it in the garbage for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. I had milk and cookies, Ben and Jerry's in that grocery bag, Jet. Okay. I know. What's your, hey, hey, what's your what's your Ben and Jerry's go to? Milk and cookies, dude. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> All right, let's move along. Jesus. But, but I would like to say what Jet is referencing is a story from the pod in which Connor, who is a successful adult, if you were to look from a zoomed out yeah. perspective, yeah. did bring his groceries home, yes. and instead of putting it in the fridge, he actually dropped it down the laundry chute into the trash can. Yes. Thank so you. that is something that happens as adults. You should feel good. This guy, this guy's gonna make a million dollars over the next couple of years. Man. So just know that it can happen to you. But let's talk to Jet. Speaking of making a million dollars, baseball. And I'm not a baseball guy. Everybody knows that. You know that. We know that. I mean, I played professionally, but I I did not follow the sport closely growing up because the Pittsburgh Pirates stink. But Bob Nutting, the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates, is maybe a depiction perfectly of what baseball is as a whole. How are any of them making money? Is that the only thing that this is about, obviously? And how do you see them getting through the lockout? We read your article today behind the paywall at ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Incredibly well written. You do a great job on your research and putting words together. We appreciate that. But how the hell do they get through this whenever you got owners who only care about money? Bob Nutting, and you got players who do their own thing. I just don't. This is an ugly time, I think, in baseball, Jet. Yeah, it's a really ugly time right now. But it, because the problem is, on on one side, you've got owners who believe they pay players too much, which I think is kind of silly, honestly. Because number one, players are the game, like every game. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm sorry, but if you get rid of the players, then. The game is nothing. Um, beyond that, the, this is an ownership group that, you know, you got 30 billionaires and they're billionaires for a reason. Um, it's because they don't go and give out money for charity to, to their employees. On the other hand, you've got players who are looking at a few things right now. Number one, um, salaries have gone down uh, $200 million 
in aggregate since 2017. 2017, players were getting paid $4.25 billion. Last year, they got paid $4.05 billion. So they feel like they've had money taken off the table there. You've got players who feel like they've been mistreated in a number of ways, disrespected, and that you've got gambling money coming into the game. You've got these large television contracts. You've got... Uh, you know, the last non-COVID year, baseball made $10.7 billion in revenue. Second highest revenue sport in America beyond the National Football League. Yeah, $10.7 billion. Where? They make a lot of, I know, they make a lot of money. It's media rights. It's local television deals. And these local television deals have sustained the sport for a long time, and players feel like they have not gotten their fair share, and they're angry about it. And in that anger is leading to this situation we have right now where the sides just can't talk with one another. Like, they, they talk past each other. And when you can't even have a conversation about where the sport needs to go, you're in trouble. And that's where I think baseball finds itself these days. And listen, I don't like writing pessimistic things. It's just the truth and the reality of where the sport sits right now. Oh, pessimistic passing there, Shane. Go ahead, AJ. Go ahead, AJ. Old PP out there. Hey, Jeff, speaking of, of being <laughs> pessimistic, what, what is the worst case scenario that comes from this? Like, how much time is missed? And also, who is, who is driving the talks? Like, who is powerful on both sides that it actually, like, has some pull? Look at you with, like, good journalistic questions. Pat's breaking news earlier this week. Right. Yeah, not as much as looking, Boomer, but yeah. we're trying. Say, to AJ's up. coming in looking like more than a meathead. It's great. Um, oh! He is rock for brains. The truth is the truth. Look at him. He looks like, a, he looks like an Aryan movie villain. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. What is that? Hold on, AJ. You can't say that, Jet. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, your name is A.J. Hawk. Like, you definitely <laughs> should murder people in movies. You might. We don't Maybe know someday. if it's in real life. Yeah, oh, jeez. Maybe something. Jeez. Uh, Lord. The, 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 pow- the power players, uh, Pat's best friend, Rob Manfred, uh, the commissioner of baseball, clearly is at the forefront here. And, it's you know, it's been interesting because you, you guys understand having been through labor issues, right, with the NFL – what it's like when the public sees a dispute like this. Uh, You know, a lot of times, I think in the past especially, it's been we're rooting for teams. These players make a ton of money. They're doing something that they love. Like, why should I be on their side? The difference this time around, I think, is that a lot of people publicly do not like Rob Manfred. And I, I think that players are actually doing a pretty decent job of making this as much about Rob Manfred. But in the end, is that what's going to get a deal done? Is that what's going to break a deal? Uh, no, probably not. In the end, what is, hey, guys, what does it always come down to? Money. Like, what, deadlines. That's it. That's and it. Deadlines. Money and deadlines. No, no, AJ, you're, exa- you're exactly right. And, and I think we saw what, the power of a deadline leading up to December 1st. So the, uh, the contract expired December 1st. We all knew that there was going to be a lockout. But... Going into then, Major League Baseball teams spent $1.7 billion on players. 
in the week and a half or so leading up to it. Corey Seager got $325 million. Max Scherzer's getting paid $43 million a year. I mean, there were huge, huge numbers tossed around, and it shows the power of a deadline. The problem is there is no hard and fast deadline right now. So even though the lockout started on December 1st, Baseball and the Players Association still have not had a single conversation about core economics, which is what this thing all goes back to anyway. Uh, We did some tank top journalism earlier, so we tried to look into this thing. And you have told us before, because I've asked so many times, how do they make money? Is it baseball hats? Is that whole thing? So we looked into it. I guess there's, what, $700 million that is dispersed amongst the teams in national revenue. This is what the internet has told us. Then the local deals are for the teams, or do they have to share that money amongst everybody? Like how The Pittsburgh Pirates averaged 24 people at each (laughs) single game this year. How did they make any – when you have to pay for the lights to be on, the Zambelli fireworks, you have to pay for the workers in there. You have to pay for the travel of the team. You have to pay the players. How are the Pirates making any money? They're just using other people's monies? Yeah, before the Pirates spend a single minute on the field every year, they're given somewhere in the range of $70 million in revenue sharing from big market teams. Now, if you look at this uh, like the NFL, for example, the NFL's revenue sharing is very simple in two ways. Number one, uh, you know every team has the same limit to spend because it's a salary cap sport. So every team understands that. But beyond that, there are no local television deals in the NFL. It's all national television money. It all gets split 32 ways. In baseball, you're kind of on your own, but 31% of your local revenue gets put into a pot and split up and distributed back to those smaller market teams especially. So Don't don't everybody hate Bob Nutting then around the MLB? Can they vote him out and others out? Because L.A., we saw L.A. because of how much they are worth in 25-year deal. I guess it's multi-billion. Then the Yes Network Mm -hmm. is like three-point-something billion in that entire game. And then you look at the the Pirates, it's like $40 million or something. Like, doesn't Don't all those big-name teams that are actually trying to win in the professional baseball league, don't they hate those smaller ones? Okay, okay, so so this is is an interesting point, and I'm glad you bring it up, because what the players have been saying, right, is that we feel like there's too much disparity. We feel like there are teams that are tanking, that are not trying to win, that are anti-competitive, and that anti-competitiveness is a real problem. But at the same time, the players are also saying... We want the ceiling of the competitive balance tax threshold, which is the luxury tax, essentially, which is the thing that's supposed to be there trying to prevent the Dodgers from having $200 million more in payroll than the Pirates. They're trying to get that even higher. Now, they're trying to get it higher because it hasn't bumped up nearly commensurate with revenues in baseball. Over the past, you know, between 2011 and 2019, so the last non-COVID year when baseball made $10.7 million, uh, billion dollars as an industry. Yep. Makes no sense. Um, A lot of hats. Six, six, it, they had gone from $6.3 billion as an industry to $10.7 over the course of like nine years. During that time, the ceiling for the competitive balance tax went from 178 million to 206 million. That's 70% gain in revenues, 
that's 15% gain in CBT. The players are angry at that because the players understand that this past year when the CBT threshold guy was, was $210 million, the Dodgers went over, the Padres went over, and there were five teams that were within $3.5 million of that number. Now, you're telling me that those five teams, if that 210 was 230 instead, wouldn't have gone up and spent more? You're telling me the Yankees wouldn't have gone up to $230 million? That's why they want that raised. But the problem is the higher that gets, the more the big market teams spend – the smaller market teams sit there and go, how the hell am I going to compete in this league? And, and that's that's the that's the core issue of baseball and what they should be talking about. In reality, they're just talking about how you split up dollars. And, and that's the problem here. The long-term issue in baseball should be competitiveness, but the short-term financial interests of everyone involved is what's going to win the day. Baseball, it sounds like those owners, much like us, nobody's watching, but big deals are being taken place. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's great business, I guess, out of Manfred and the team. Even though Manfred, every time he opens his mouth, the foot follows it. You know, yeah. he, he literally shoots himself in the foot every single time. Uh, when is the deadline for this thing? Spring ball? What is that? I mean, if you look at it realistically, they're supposed to, you know, Major League Baseball is going to make a proposal. They're they're getting one together at this point. And the, the proposal so far, the players have looked at it and essentially laughed at it, just like the, the league has done the same with the players at this point. So I'm not at the point right now where I'm panicking that there are going to be games lost. But once we get to February 1st, if there's not progress, Pat, then the, we're looking at, spring training being postponed at that point. No! Yeah, I mean, no! I, 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 I mean, if we're looking, if we're, if we're, if we're, and if we're I looking at I want to see bombs in Arizona. There's nothing yeah. I want to see dangers in Florida. Then pitchers and catchers report, yeah. they cannot push that back. Uh, speaking of, Ty, go ahead, pal. Yeah, Jet, I mean, you kind of just alluded to it, but, like, it seems like over the last couple years, like, this is really all, the only shit we hear, that, like, both sides hate each other and we're kind of getting a watered-down product. Like, when would you say, I mean, like, there's a good chance that this just gets done and we kind of go about our business but like when would it be in your mind like a date where it's like oh shit like we have a real problem here and there is a chance that we actually might not get baseball this year i i'm i'm way way far away from we're not going to get baseball this year i don't think that they're that stupid frankly like that well, that's the thing is I, bob I, I, no, no, voting? No. is bob not even gonna vote i listen i understand that that players want what they want and that they feel unified at this point. I understand that owners want a particular thing and they don't want, they don't feel like they owe players anything. And so when you have a bunch of intransigent alpha males on two sides in a, in a staring contest, in a pissing contest, in whatever you want to call it, this has a chance to last for a really long time. But the reality is somebody here needs to be the adult in the room and take a 35,000 foot view of this all. Pat McAfee, who is one of the biggest names in media right now, is coming out and saying, I think baseball sucks. That's a problem because the people who are listening to this show, who are watching this show right now, a lot of them think the same thing. And let me tell you, Pat, I'm sorry. Baseball doesn't suck. Baseball is a great sport that can't get out of its own damn way sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Baseball, baseball can't hold hockey's jockstrap. 
All right. Just want to let you know that. But hockey was in the same position years ago when they had their lockout and work stoppage, and it almost ended the entire league. And then they came out on the other side much better. Uh, Jet, on that note, hockey obviously had to go to a salary cap to survive. The league was struggling. The players were angry. The owners were angry. Is that ever on the table for MLB, or do they just laugh that out of the building? Uh, The players think that they will never have a cap system. And and I tend to agree. Now, there is an argument, guys, to be made that a cap system would be more financially lucrative for the players. And and here's, here's the issue. So uh, let's look at what the players are asking for, some of the things they're asking for. They're asking for free agency after five years instead of six. Not going to get that. They're asking for arbitration earlier on. Probably not going to get that. Uh, they're asking for a higher minimum salary, though. So let's assume they get a higher minimum salary because they want players to get paid younger. Let's assume there's a bonus pool that gets put in place so that if you have excellent performance in your first or second or third year, you get paid more. All of that money, owners look at it like, hey, that's extra that we're paying, which is fine for them to do. But the reality is the way that baseball operates, there is no minimum salary. So whatever the owners pay extra to those younger guys, they don't have to necessarily go out in free agency and spend on the older guys. When you have a system in which there's no fixed amount that leagues have to pay, that uh, organizations can go out and game that system. And that's exactly what's happened over the last 10 years or so in baseball. It's the reason you don't see guys who are older than 30 years old, generally speaking, getting paid what they used to get paid because organizations realize that they can go out and pay a guy a minimum salary of under $600,000 and get pretty commensurate performance. Salary caps have a floor too. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah. Jet, do the owners owners (sighs) believe it's a good thing or a bad thing the fact that they lock the players out and the vast majority of Americans probably don't know that baseball is locked out. <laughs> like it's I, good I, because, but it's good because you don't want to soil the game and people get upset, but yep. it's also bad because it's not in front page. If a tree falls, dude, that's kind of. No, it's, uh, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Ba- baseball has a credibility problem with the public and, and the credibility problem goes down to something that's very simple. It's seen as a game that's old. It's seen as a game that's not fast enough. It's seen as a game without Stop stars. Stop testing them, though. It's, it's and, and, and here's the thing. Part of me wonders if the players and the owners are both so deep inside of that echo chamber in which they exist that they are losing the, the reality that if they have an extended, expanded work stoppage here, it's going to do irreparable damage to the sport. And go ahead. Oh, you better not throw a damn pitch, Pat. I swear to God, if you throw a pitch, I'm going to charge them out and beat your ass. Whoa. Chet, you don't want that. Listen, you don't want this smoke magazine. I understand. You used to think you're a tough guy. You wear tank tops all the time. I'll kick your ass. You all right? Hey, Jet, I beat up five dudes in the Oculus Arena last night. All right, I'm back. You don't want any part of the thunderstorm here, pal. But I, all I'm doing is just trying to let people know what the sport of baseball is while you speak about it. I didn't know. You know what I mean? I was like, no, this is no, the game. I, this is the game. No, can, t- I t- can I can I can I tell you what the sport of baseball is? The sport of baseball is is a great sport that needs to highlight all of the good things about it. We need to be talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. and Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh, and Juan Soto. We need to be Shohei. talking about that. Yeah, we need to be talking about Shohei Otani. And and I appreciate the fact that you let me do that earlier this year. And and what Shohei Otani has done is incredible. He's an unbelievable athlete. 
And I love everything about him personality-wise. I love everything about him, what he does on the field. And if baseball would just focus more on those players and on the great things about the game and less on trying to figure out how to cut up this giant pie, owners need to understand that players of the game. Players need to understand that they can't get everything right now, even though they've lost the last few collective bargaining agreements. And all of them need to understand that if they don't get their act together, then the sport is going to suffer for the things that they're doing. I wonder who, because there's probably a lot of players that want to get a, just get a deal. This is like when the NFL and the NFLPA get into collective bargaining. Yeah. There's a lot of yep. players that just want to get a deal done. Then there's a lot of players that don't. It's kind of split. Do you feel that in the baseball world or no? Not right now. I, I think players right now are feeling really unified because they have that common enemy in Manfred. Like, he is a very easy he's a person. Yeah, he's a yeah, he is. He he's is. A, yeah, stupid, it, it, bad talker. He's in charge there, of there are There are a lot of things that players look at and say, Rob Manfred's trying to, to, to make our game worse. Now, I don't think he's actively trying to do that, but if you're... Well, but if you're no, no, no. But if you're... But, uh, Piece of metal trophy. Yeah. If you're, it, here's the thing though. If you're, if you're the players right now, the one thing you can't show is is weakness, is separation. You have to show unity, and that that's the thing. What this is all going to come down to, Pat, is which side, uh, which side cleaves first. Is it going to be the owners who say we are losing money, the small market ones especially, we are losing money because we're not playing games right now. We can't stand for this. Or is it going to be the players who the first time they don't get a paycheck say, uh, you know, the average major league career is like three years. Don't throw the pitch. No, I was going to throw yeah. out the digs because he's got he's a big time baseball fan. But those are dog years, too, because you're on the road for. 100 oh, yeah, no question. No yeah. question. It, it, and, and that's the thing that that's that's where the league feels like it has the advantage over the players. Right. And and the players feel like they have the advantage over the league. Uh, almost from a moral sense, like, hey, we're the game, start treating us that way. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, go ahead, Tone. Jet. Oh, Pat. they're like Hub. Yeah. They're like yeah. Hub. Hub, they're like Hub Arkush. Bigger than the game. Bigger than the award. Rob Manfred, basically Hub Arkush. Yeah. yeah. We're tying things together, piecing things together. Big time journalist Jet Passing helping us out with that. Go ahead, Tone. Jet, Pat mentioned the number one rated ski resort in the mid Atlantic region in Seven Springs. Great ski resort. <clears throat> Owned by Robert Nutting. He just sold it to the Vale Resort Group. Did he sell that because he's going to give $300 million to Otani? <laughs> great question. Talk about the Pirates baseball here. No. Answer the question, Chet. Chet, answer the question. I'm not going to answer the stupidest question I've ever Why are you never been to Seven Springs? Oh, you never run tombs down the hills to Seven Springs. Why would he sell the number no one rated ski resort in the mid-Atlantic region? You have no clue what that ski lodge is like, He's not giving money to Otani. Yeah, if he's not bringing Otani, why is he selling Seven Springs, which everybody wants to go to in the uh, tri-state area? Yeah. Can you just say Otani one more time, hey, please? Otani. There we go. Let's go. Otani. Is he going broke? Why'd he sell that thing? That was the only thing he was good at, it yeah. feels like, publicly. Great. Why'd he sell that place? Is there any teams that are going to be up for sale, you think? Or are the Pittsburgh Pirates going to be one of them? Uh, I don't anticipate the Pirates being sold anytime soon, unless, I mean, here's the thing. After your first big deal, you talked about you potentially buying. Now, you're on your way, Pat. Oh, you got to yeah. get a group. 
Yeah. We're buying hockey too. Well, we talked about that actually, Jet. We did have a full conversation. The entire baseball guy actually came out to me and said, Hey, let's remember you hate baseball. So, <laughs> yeah. are you sure you want to? <laughs> yeah. That's every day. We would have to be there every single day. I just thought about the fun nights, the fireworks, you know, the whole thing. We'll pay show. Hey, we'll have a sweet behind home plate. We'll even dress up like umpires every night. It'll mm-hmm. be our old thing. But I guess that's not the case. They, I hope every owner does care about the team being great and the team winning and the league winning, and I appreciate that and respect that. But normally whenever these types of bargaining things happen, that is the last thing on anybody's mind. Hopefully yeah. they'll be able to figure it out because you know what we need? We need more jet passing. Hell yeah. Yeah, we do. We need more jet. I love you. I, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Seriously. This is so much fun. I, I've been sitting around in my Snuggie for the last, like, two months doing jack shit. Yeah. What's going on with you guys? Brings life to me. Makes me feel good. So thank you. I appreciate that. Hawk, you scare the shit out of me. <laughs> well, Jet, we appreciate Jet. you, bud. Thank you, Jet. Thank you, Jet. Thank and you, we need Jet. to get you back soon. Please keep us updated. We'll continue to read behind the paywall your incredible writings. Hell yeah. We did it today. It was awesome. Uh, we would recommend everybody do it at ESPN Plus. Senior MLB insider, absolute legend, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Pass. Thank, thank you, boy, Jeff. Jeff. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. The fact that you allow us to penetrate your ear holes, I say it every day, I'm so, so thankful for. We're back manana with a no Thursday night football Thursday getting into week 18 of the NFL season. If you enjoyed this show, please tell somebody about it. Ty, please play some independent music and repel these people into a beautiful Coaches Up Chuck Wednesday evening. See you tomorrow. 